Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. It's going to freeze. Yeah, I said this is the last hour. I'm going to say it again. You'll hear me talk about it tomorrow. Most everybody in the central Texas area, definitely the hill countries and further north, you're going to have a freeze. Probably early Monday morning. So you got some time to prepare for it. And let me phrase this, prepare for it. There's two ways you can be preparing for it, several ways to prepare for it. One is you you get your frost cloth out or whatever you use to cover your plants to keep them from freezing. Number two, you don't care. Let them freeze, and this is a great time that if they freeze, pull them out, put in new plants or a different plant. This is usually a great time to do a seasonal change in what's in your garden. I know I'm gonna lose my tomatoes. So, okay, I'll pull them out. I'm gonna plant something different in that spot. Probably gonna do cover crop. And when we talk about freeze, there's something you have to understand here. There's intensity of the freeze. If you were to look at a chart that talked about an hourly chart of what the temperature is going to be, and you look and at five in the morning, it touches freezing. But by six or seven, it's warmed back up to be above freezing temperature. That's not a huge problem. There are plants that that will be enough to really hurt them. Limes do not like freezing weather. So if you've got it in a container, you're going to have to protect it if you want to keep it. But there are a lot of plants where that little touch of cold, like kale, you know what it'll do? It'll give it really good color. It'll sweeten it up. Your Russian red will be nice and red. It'll look great. Your mustards, they'll look super duper maroon and they will get sweeter touching a freeze. Now, when it is a problem is when, let's say it hits freezing at 10 o'clock at night and it stays freezing or below till 10 o'clock the next day. 12 hours of freeze, that will be very bad for plants. There will be a lot of plants that that will kill them. So keep all of this in mind. We're going to be freezing. If you get ready for the freeze and it doesn't freeze at your house, you will not hurt a thing. Your plants will not complain about being kept warm. Let's go to the phone. This is Don. Don, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me all that? Yes, sir. 
Okay. Uh, I got a little bit of a dilemma I don't understand. Uh, about a month ago, I had some beautiful-looking oak trees, and my neighbor did, and my other neighbor did, and uh, it, it was, it was uh, you know, rain and all that was fine, but all of a sudden, they all died. I mean, a swath about 200 feet wide and about a mile and a half long, all of the foliage died in that area. I mean, uh, the oaks, uh, the, the cedars, the mesquite, they started up to see pyrocantha, everything. So I took some soil samples, and I sent them off to A&M, and they come back positive for a thing called diethyl bromide and for aluminum powder. And uh, so, I, you know, I was asking them, you know, where, you know, I called over there and talked to the, the nutty professor, and I asked him uh, what would cause that. And he said, well, uh, you know, because I was thinking, you know, that somebody sprayed a defoliant or something. And he says, well, he says, uh, you notice up in the sky when the planes fly by and they leave those clouds behind them? And I said, yeah, and make like an X in the, in the sky, X marks the spot. I said, yeah. He says that's where it comes from. What, what, what can we do to protect ourselves from that? Do you know? Yeah, what you can do to protect yourself is not to believe that that lie from those folks. He's talking chemtrails, and that is not a thing, okay? He did not give you an answer. Could it be okay. sprayed? Yes, it could have been sprayed. Those two products can be used, well, not the aluminum, but the, the ethylene bromide, that can be used in agriculture. But those, that swath did not get killed by chemtrails. That is okay. just not a thing. Okay. Well, I mean, I can't explain it. I mean, it's about a mile and a half by about 200 feet. And everything in that area is just dead. On the other sides of it, you know, it's fine. I mean, there's a couple of struggling plants, but it's just in that one swath. It may be that there is a gas or oil line running through that area that has leaked. No, sir. It, it, there's no, no, no oil lines in there. It, it, we don't have no oil on that part. You know. Or um, gas. You know, they do route natural gas. This is, this is something that if it really is that big, you need, to, you need to call your uh, extension agent and have them come out and evaluate what happened. Uh, Sorry, folks. No. Donna, I appreciate your call, but I got to tell you, no, chemtrails did not cause that swath of ground to have a problem. And you would be amazed at how much products are underneath our ground. We have more routing of gas, oil, and other commodities from point to point in pipeline than you know what to do with. Could it have been a leak? Yes. To say that every single thing in that area died 
somebody, you're not calling anybody, you're not calling your extension agent, to ha- that's who is going to be the person to start the process to determine what happened. But it was not chemtrails. Now, folks, freeze is coming. Be prepared for it. Pretty much everybody in Central Texas is going to have a chance of hitting freezing weather. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> going to make an emphasis. We're going to freeze. This is only a big deal the folks that are growing plants that are susceptible to freezes. All right. I got to tell you, if you're growing citrus, limes will not handle a freeze, even a short freeze. So you want to take limes and protect them. Now, the thing about the freeze that they're telling us about, it's not going to be that much of a freeze. That sounds kind of weird. Um, It's gonna kind of be just a kiss. Just dropping below freezing for a little while and will warm up quickly. Even citrus has a problem with that. Limes, will not want to get that freeze. So if you have them in a container and you want to keep them growing, stick them in the garage. Cover them to make sure that they don't touch freezing temperatures. Your other citrus, I have a blood orange in a container. I will not be doing anything for it because it can handle that cold. But limes, no, 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 no. They have to stay above freezing to be healthy and to keep growing for you. Otherwise, you risk losing them. Let's let's go to the phone. This is David. David, what can I help you with? Yeah, I got a question for you. I mean, I'm in the process of replacing all my, you know, my my citrus and everything. You know, we had that killer snowstorm a few years ago. But anyway, so I took your advice. You know, I got all my citrus in containers. You know, the the limes and the the such will be in the garage. But my new addition, I got myself a Matheny or Matheny uh, plum tree. It's it's uh, about a two inch around uh, caliber. No no leaves on it. It's just you know looks like a Charlie Brown tree. It's uh, been in the ground for about two and a half weeks or so. Yeah, I plan on putting a big, heavy thing of mulch on it. You know, around the base. But anything else you would recommend for it, being a plum tree. No, David, you got to remember, <clears throat> that's a tree that's going to be outside all the time. That Correct. plum is a variety that does really well here in Central Texas. Even the freeze apocalypse and 
the ice storm didn't, you know, didn't knock out all our plums. So the extra layer of mulch is not at all a bad idea. Not at all. Remember, don't pile it against the trunk, but cover those roots and um, it'll, it'll do fine in a freeze. Okay. Another, another another quick one for you. I mean, I'm you know looking at the price of grapes at the store and stuff. So I decided to get myself my own little little miniature grape uh, orchard. <laughs> but I'm getting you know four and five year old uh, uh, plants. I'd probably get them in a couple weeks. You recommend just leaving them in the pots until after winter and then planting them in the spring next year, or or you know what do you think? Do you have? <clears throat> I would plant them in the winter. And the okay. reason, excuse me. Let's start this conversation over again, because I just screwed that up. I would (laughs) plant them in the spring. Keep those roots in the containers you get them in. Keep them with some moisture. Make sure you don't flood them. And put these plants in in the spring. That gives you some time to prepare the soil and the growing area for you. And uh, you said you're going to be getting these plants. Yeah, Are they're coming from Georgia. They're, they're waiting for them to go full dormant before they ship them. And he said probably about two weeks I should be getting them. Okay, here's the deal. We have a disease in Central Texas called Pierce's disease. Wipes out okay. grapes. You want to check with them and see, are they Pierce's disease resistant? If they're not, you may have a problem. They can get going and start doing really well, and then suddenly, boom, they wind up dead. Okay. That's why many of the big box store grapes we get, you don't want to mess with those because they're not resistant to that disease. Right, yeah, this this is a, it's a you know, decent little grower. I, you know, I've stumbled on them, you know, they're out. Of, they're out of Georgia. They've you know been around for about thirty five, forty years. So, but I'll give him a call well, and ask him. He said Pierce's resistance. Right. That is not something that they normally encounter in Georgia. Okay. And that doesn't mean he's sending you ones that won't grow here. But you do want to <laughs> know up front. Explain to that's him it. that's our problem here. Okay. Is that something that just comes with the plant, or is it something induced by the soil? Little bug, uh, leaf hoppers okay. spread the disease. Um, they, the Pierce's disease is called xylella, and it affects oleanders, olive trees. It affects a whole host of plants, and there's no cure for the disease itself. Okay. But we have varieties of grapes that were uh, propagated that are resistant to it and do really, really well and are not bothered by it. But I I would check and ask. I will definitely give them a call and do a follow-up on that. Appreciate this. I'll go ahead and uh, just sit back and continue listening. Enjoy your show, sir. Thank you for the call. Um, Yeah, folks, there's a host of growers in the country and they're very good. Uh, they, they, they're honest folks. 
doing a, a good service and providing us with some fantastic plant material. But the problem is, if they're not here in Texas, you can't guarantee that the, you know, the Georgia environment, the Georgia soil, they actually have soil. We don't. And there are things like diseases that are specific to our area. And many of these plants, for example, you can't import peaches. You cannot import citrus um, or pecans because we have huge industries, huge industries, billions of dollars in those plants. And you import something from an area that has a disease that might manage it there, but we've not seen it. We could really hurt our industries by spreading that disease. So it is not the growers trying to give us hell. It is we have to ask these questions and make sure that they'll do well here. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Listen, um, not only do we have the possibility, the probability of a freeze, and it's not going to be like days-long freeze, but it will be a freeze. We need to cover plants that are susceptible to that cold, ones that we are able to provide enough cover to keep them warm above the freeze temperature. Here's the problem. I'm looking at the weather report for... Um, tomorrow, or excuse me, for tonight. And the low is listed as 39. That's pretty brisk. But we could have 25 mile an hour gusts. And where that gets us is guess what happens to our frost cloth and our covers, our hoop houses. That kind of wind is just dying to rip up all of that stuff. So do what you can to, to make sure it's not a halfway job. The problem with just throwing stuff out there, you have to secure it. Doesn't do a lot of good to cover everything if, well, a breeze comes by and uncovers it for you. So make sure you have sufficient attachment points to keep stuff covered. That's that 20, 15 to 20 breeze and 25 mile an hour gusts. Whoa, that's going to be difficult. That's going to be difficult. Now, there was an episode on the news this morning about one of our favorites, cedar fever. The weather conditions are building up 
to, with the kind of summer we had, with this early freezes coming, prepare yourself. The cedar is going to be showing up. It's already showing up low in some of the allergy counts. That's not going to last. That is not going to last. It is going to start picking up any day now. If you are someone who is affected by cedar fever, start taking your medicine now. Prepare your body for what's coming. It will help you get through it. But between the summer that abused the plants and kicked them into survival mode, and that's what's going on, they are in survival mode, that will cause them to produce lots of pollen in an effort to reproduce. That's all plants live for, to make more plants. And that's how the junipers do it. I know we call it cedar fever. This is really our junipers causing the problem. And it's unfortunate because they're really pretty amazing trees. But we're going to have to deal with it soon. It's a coming. Between the freeze, the wind, ugh, it is not going to be pleasant for those of you who suffer allergies. So get ready. And those of you trying to protect your plants, 25 mile an hour wind gusts. Keep that in mind. You don't want to just throw something out there because it'll be at the neighbors if you don't have it secured. Now we're going to add one more problem. No rain. There is no real rain in the outlook for not till at least next weekend, and that's not a particularly high chance. It's better than we've had for a while, but it's not the greatest. They keep telling us that we are going to be moving to a wetter than normal climate now. Sure we are. Been saying that a lot, and so far we're still way behind in our rainfall. We're way behind in our rainfall. Do not forget, even though it is cool weather, you still need to check on the water conditions for your plants. Here's what happens. With this kind of breeze, the wind blowing across the leaf is going to create Basically, suction. The pressure difference outside the leaf versus in the leaf is it's going to draw the moisture out of the plant. We haven't had rain. The wind blowing across the soil is going to dry it out. So we still need to go out there and check on our plants to see if they need water. However... 
They don't need as much because they aren't being as stressed. It's not hot. But that doesn't mean we don't water at all. You still need to go and check your plants, and we still water the same way. A slow, deep soaking. Most pl Many places, please check, have lifted their water restrictions. So you can water when your plants actually need it. But remember, slow, deep soaking and no runoff. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back everybody. <clears throat> It's a tough call this Monday morning because they're predicting cold enough to freeze pretty much everywhere. Does that mean everywhere is going to freeze? No. There are places where you may be in a low-lying area. That is asking for the cold air to come together and create a freeze pot. On my property, I have a slope of about, from one end to the other, is about 20 feet. At the far end of my property, the low end of my property, I may freeze, but at the top end of my property, it may not get below 35. It can be very, very specific to the area that you're trying to uh, uh, go to. So keep that in mind. They, it, it is entirely possible that places, there, there will be places where it freezes and doesn't freeze, and there may be no rhyme or reason, at least if you look at it, but the reality is because of how the wind can flow. Maybe there's buildings or something blocking that. Maybe you're above, you're in a higher area. Maybe there's lots of um, limestone showing that has absorbed all the sunshine and is giving off that heat at night. You will never hurt your plants, never hurt your plants by keeping them too warm in the winter. Anything that you can do to protect them they're, they're not going to complain. It's just a matter of what kind of effort you want to put into it. Let's go to the phone. This is Bo. Bo, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, I got a couple questions for you. Um, 
I need to water my plants. Can I hit them with seaweed while I'm at it? Yep. Okay. Won't hurt them at and all. Is it, is it possible to overdo the seaweed? You know, just if I water them today and then tomorrow, well, I wouldn't water them tomorrow, but, you know, can you overdo seaweed? Um, yes, but there's a big qualifier here. Too much seaweed can raise the level of potassium. That's generally the nutrient in seaweed, one of the nutrients. Can raise the level of, the pot- of potassium to the point that you can actually prevent some seeds from germinating. So if you had a seed bed, you would not be watering with um, every time with seaweed because you could build it up to the point where the seeds would have trouble germinating. In terms of a plant, it is more a case of cost. Seaweed is cumulative in a plant. So if you watered with seaweed today and you had to water again in a week, I don't know that I would use seaweed at that time. You probably wouldn't hurt the plant but it wouldn't be that big of a benefit. I might go as much as every two weeks providing seaweed, but you should be able to, if you are doing this every couple of weeks, you should start being able to work out to once a month to get the full benefits of it. Okay. So can you do it every time? Sure. Okay. Question about covering plants up. Um, is plastic bad? And also I heard that if you do cover with plastic, not to make contact with the leaves? Correct. Uh, plastic is not, quote, bad. Um, but if the plastic is touching a leaf and it's freezing, it can freeze at that point. So where the leaf is touching, you can get freeze burn. If you put plastic over it and you make sure that there's an air gap so that those leaves don't touch the plastic, that works fine. Here's the problem with plastic. We need it to conserve heat. Great. But in the morning as the sun comes up, it can overheat in that plastic. It can get quite hot even when it's very cold outside. Uh-huh. So that can that can harm the plant. That means you may have to make extra effort that you cover it during the night to keep it warm. And then in the morning, you have to come out and you have to open it back up if the temperatures aren't freezing so that you don't cook the plants underneath the plastic. So would an old bed sheet work better? It may, uh, simply because if if there is any light at all, if you hold the bed sheet up and it's still, you don't need 100% of the light, but it still has some brightness, the sun sort of shines through it, that's better because the bed sheet will help keep temperatures warmer. Plus, since it lets a little light through, you wouldn't have to walk out there and uncover it to make the plants happy. You could leave it there a couple of days in a row, which simply means less work on your part. 
Yeah. And could it also make contact with the leaves? It wouldn't matter? Um, it shouldn't matter unless it's wet. Ah. So if you, yeah, if it gets wet, then it could freeze at that point, which would freeze the leaf. So that's where plastic has an advantage. If it's a wet weather, that water uh-huh. won't be able to freeze on it. Uh-huh. Frost cloth, a bed sheet. If it gets wet, it could freeze at that point. Okay. But it only would kill the leaves. It wouldn't kill the plant, would it? Correct. And it wouldn't even, well, it would kill that leaf. But usually you will just get a frozen edge on it wherever it was touching. It would not harm the plant. Okay. So you save the plant, you might lose a leaf or two. Correct. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you, Jeff. You bet. Have a good uh, have a good day of trying to cover stuff up, <laughs> folks. The, the, the distinctions, the differences here: material that allows light through doesn't have to be clear. Frost cloth allows a lot of light through, means that you could cover the plant and not have to uncover it immediately the next day. You could keep it covered for several days. Plastic can be an issue if you have a freeze and suddenly we have a warm day. That happens here. The plastic, if you don't remove, can turn into a greenhouse and cook the plants. So understand the difference. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're breaking for the news.